What's up, what's up? How y'all doing? Tired? I hear I heard a tired in there. So wanna welcome all of our students who just got back from Crave. Uh, gosh, let's just give it up for our students, our student ministry. <clears throat> you guys are just amazing. So thank you so much for going to Crave and having a good time. And I, I know that God spoke to many of your hearts and lives and so excited about the communicators who spoke at Crave. Uh, they did something called Voices, and they had like different people and different voices speaking to their lives. So really excited about what's going on with our student ministry. Also, I want to give you a heads up that next Sunday, we start a new teaching series entitled Mixtape. Now, how many of y'all you actually know what a cassette tape is? <clears throat> how many of y'all, you have no idea what I'm talking about? Uh, you know... <laughs> Thank you, Blaine Dixon. Um, I tell you, my very first car was a 78 color Supreme, and I, it didn't even have a cassette tape. I had an 8-track, and I only had one 8-track. It was a Grease soundtrack. So, uh, <clears throat> you're the one that I want. Ooh, 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 honey. So, anyway, welcome to One Church, where we're a little bit different. So, anyway, uh, next week we're starting this new series called Mixtape. And we're going to be looking for four weeks. We're going to be, Carla and I are going to be teaching, looking at the book of Psalms. So really excited about that. So, but today we finish uh, the, the five-week series entitled Right in the Eye. And uh, we've been looking at the book of Judges. The book of Judges. Now here's the thing. If this is your first time with us, uh, you're kind of coming in at the end of the movie. You're catching like the last 20 minutes and how everything kind of wraps up. Uh, so uh, I would encourage you to go download our OneChurch.tv app for free on the Google Play or the App Store, and you can watch uh, the past four weeks where we've been going through the book of Judges. Now, uh, before we kind of dive into the last part of week five of Writing the Eye, I just want to ask you a quick question. I know we're busy and we're excited about tonight and everything that's going on, but the question I want to ask you is simply this. What kind of person do you want to be? What kind of person do you want to be? And I get it. You know, we're always so excited. We're so busy. We really don't ever get a chance to ask, ask and answer important questions like this. But what type of person do you want to be? Now, here's the thing. <clears throat> when you leave a room, you do know everybody talks about you. You know that, don't you? When you're at the water cooler and you're at work and they're like, oh, aren't you? Oh, your hairstyle looks great. And then you walk away. I can't believe she thinks that that hairstyle looks great. It's awful. Um, she looks like a drowned rat. All that stuff. People always talk about you when you leave. And, and with the holidays coming up, right? Some of you, you, uh, you like your family and your family gets together. Others of you, you're not so much. Um, but when you, you have to get together uh, during the holidays, because that's what families do, and literally as you are pulling out of the driveway, and they're going like this, this is what they're, they're whispering underneath their breath. Oh my gosh, praise God they're leaving, right? I mean, what? so my question is, if people are going to talk about you, and if people are going to talk behind your back about you, what do you want them to say? What do you want them to say? Because know this, people will say something, the question I want to ask is, what type of person do you want to be? What if you and I decided to be extraordinary? Extraordinary. Now, when I say the word extraordinary, it's a compound word. It's extraordinary. 
All of us, we know ordinary people, and the word ordinary is almost like a four-letter word. Who wants to be ordinary or mediocre? That's even a worse word because it's French. Um, But uh, I'm just joking. Come on now. Anyway, these are the jokes, people. Anyway, but here's the thing. None of us want to be ordinary. We don't want to be extraordinary. And when I say what type of person you want to be, and I say extraordinary, all of us, you know people who who are extraordinary at something. Right? They're extraordinary basketball players. They're extraordinary cornhole players. They're extraordinary. They can play an instrument. They're extraordinary when it comes to athletics. They're extraordinary when it comes to making the deal. Uh, I mean, they're just, they're extraordinary at something, but they're kind of a pain in the neck. Right? I mean, they're kind of so full of themselves, and they know that they're good at it, and they're just, they are just like hopped up on them. And it's just like those people you don't want to hang out with. They're extraordinary at something, but they're not extraordinary people. So what I'm asking you is, what if you and I, for the next seven days, we, you and I just decided, you know what? I'm going to be extraordinary. Not for the rest of my life. That's too long. But you know what? For the next seven days, I, I am going to make some extraordinary decisions. Every time I whip out my credit card, I'm going to do something extraordinary with it. Every time I write a check... When my kids, when they want to, they want something from me or they want to interact with me, I am going to do what an extraordinary mom or dad does. I'm going to be an extraordinary spouse. I'm for the next seven days. I'm going to be an extraordinary friend. So, to get us going today, and this is not the beginning of the sermon. So, if you don't like Christians or Bible or church or sermons, you can just drop your guard right now because this, this sermon ain't started yet, right? So, but the question I want to leave you with is simply this. What would an extraordinary person do? Ask that question. What would an extraordinary person do? Let me tell you a little bit about me, insight into me. Uh, as, a, as a leader, I want to be an extraordinary leader. Now, I'm just going to go ahead and tell you, I'm not an extraordinary leader. Uh, I, I, I want to continue to learn. I want to continue to get better. But one of the things that I'm always challenged with is a question, and it's very similar to this question, what would, an ex- what would a, a good leader do? What would a good leader do? And I'm thinking, okay, well, a good leader in this situation would do this, and then guess what? That kind of focuses me and say, okay, I'm going to do that. Well, I'm kind of challenging you to do the same thing. For the next seven days, you ask the question, what would an extraordinary person do? Would an extraordinary person go there? Would an extraordinary person do that? Would an extraordinary person complain or do this? What would an extraordinary person do? And look, let me ask you another question. It's not a trick question. How many times do you get to live your life? How many times do you get to live your life? This is not a trick question. Once, my gosh, you're going, well, there's reincarnation. You're at the wrong church. I apologize. All right? Um, Here's the thing. Most of us would say once, right? And even if you believed in reincarnation, then you really want to be extraordinary because you don't want to come back as a cat or as a dung beetle. Okay? You just don't, right? But what what I believe and what I believe what God's Word teaches us is we get to live our life once. And if we get to live our life once, then why not live it once? extraordinary but the reality for most of us let's just be honest we don't live extraordinary lives do we we're just kind of living life like everybody else and we talked about this two weeks ago 
that so many of us, we want to do something different. We want to be something different. We want to shoot for the stars. We want, but really, we kind of, we're, instead of looking up, we just look around and we're just kind of content to be like everybody else. We're content to be ordinary. And last week, we saw very specifically that Samson, who God had called him to be extraordinary, that Samson just kind of lived his life out as ordinary. He wanted to be like everybody else. and He could have done some extraordinary things, but he didn't. Because all he did was kept on looking around and copying the very people that God says, I don't want you to be like that. We're studying the book of Judges. In the book of Judges, over the past four weeks, we've seen that God has set up the nation of Israel to be extraordinary. And let me kind of give you the context of it. Uh, uh, Moses took God's people, the Israelites, out of slavery from Egypt and took them right to the edge of the promised land, and there Moses died. Joshua took over for Moses and got them. Joshua got them into the promised land, set up their dorms, filled up their pantry, filled up the gas on the gas tank, and then Joshua left and kind of set them up for success. And for the next 330 years, we saw the nation of Israel flounder and not be extraordinary, but became not just ordinary, not just mediocre, but below average. We saw them in this whole idea that God gave them no king. God was supposed to be their king, and God created these laws and, and raised up judges to implement the laws, and they were to be a theocracy, a government that followed God. But ultimately, they didn't, and it was a very dark and disastrous time. But the problem is, the Israelites, they just wanted to be ordinary. They just wanted to be like everybody else. The whole point of Israel was they were supposed to be so different, so set apart, so called apart, that all the other nations said, dude, what God do you have? I mean, your crops are growing, your kids actually mind, and they don't scream, blood-curdling screams when you take them to Walmart. And I mean, your kids are like amazing kids, and you're like amazing parents, and like, y'all actually like you love one another. And I mean, what's, what's the secret juju juice in the nation of Israel? And the nation of Israel will say, let me tell you what it is. It's God. That we are serving the one and true and living God, and they were supposed to redirect the glory that they would get for making good decisions and being blessed and redirect that back to God. But the problem is they didn't because they didn't live extraordinary lives. The nation of Israel was called to reflect the glory of God and to be the light of the Gentiles. And again, they didn't do anything. They, they got to the promised land. They did exactly what most of us do. Instead of looking up, they looked around, and they just settled into being like everybody else and became ordinary. They did what everybody else did with their money. They dated like everybody else dates. Women uh, treated men like everybody else, and men treated women like everybody else treats women, and they became ordinary. And today, we're going to look at a guy by the name of Gideon. And Gideon is kind of like some of us here today. Gideon believed in God, but really he just thought himself as an ordinary person. He began to believe that he was just an ordinary person and began to believe what the world told him about himself and about his worldview, that you're not made to do anything special. You're not anybody extraordinary. You're made to be ordinary. And in this fascinating story, God shows up and kind of shakes Gideon out of his stupor and says, Wake up, Gideon. You're not called to be like everybody else. You're not called to be ordinary. You're called to be extra 
ordinary. So let's look at Gideon's ordinary story and how he became extraordinary. This is Judges chapter 6, verse 1. The Israelites did evil in the sight of the Lord. So the Lord handed them over to the Midianites for how many years? Seven years. Now, the Midianites were enemies of God and God's people, the Israelites. And look what happens. The Midianites were so cruel that the Israelites made hiding places for themselves in the mountains, caves, and strongholds. So the people of Israel couldn't even live in their own cities. Verse, next verse. Whenever the Israelites planted the crops, the Midianites, Amalekites, and the other eastern peoples invaded. Everybody say invaded. Invaded the country, camped on the land. Everybody say squat. That's what they're doing. They squatted on their land and ruined their crops. Say ruined ruined them and did not spare a living thing for Israel, neither sheep, nor cattle, nor donkeys, nor cats. It's in second opinions. It's in there. You just got to look deeper into the Hebrew, okay? Here's the thing. We see this cycle of disobedience here in these, these few verses, that the cycle of disobedience, disobeying God, which leads to disaster, and then they cry out to God and God delivers them. Verse 6, Midian so impoverished the Israelites that they cried out to the Lord for help. Now think about this. For seven years, Israelites disobeyed God, so God let the Midianites come and trample all over them. There's consequences for this disobedience. And, and, and what happens is they, the Israelites started worshiping the Midianite gods. And we learned about this a couple of weeks ago that whatever you copy will ultimately will capture you. So they, they threw out their Midianite gods and they're saying, okay, God, this time, I promise you, we're only going to serve you, God. And even though they disobeyed God and they broke God's rules, you know what God did? God would come in and bail them out every single time. He would rescue them. God would turn back to the nation when the nation turned back to God. In fact, do you know if that's what God does for each of us even today? Because God is a God of mercy. He will let us make our done decisions and face the consequences. But when you're ready to return, he's always merciful and he's always eager to forgive us and to restore us to him. And that's what God does. And some of you are like, well, how many times does God do that? Let me tell you as many times as it takes because we serve not a god of anger but a god of love god's mercy never ever ever ends so the nation of israel is like we're had it god listen this is the last time we're going to do this we're turning back to you and guess what god does he raises up a judge verse 11 the angel of the lord appeared to who gideon the son of joash as he was threshing wheat at the where bottom, everybody say bottom, bottom of the wine press to hide the grain from the Midianites. So let me kind of give you some context. None of us in here are probably farmers. So let me kind of share with you how they would do that. What they would do is they would take pitchforks and grain and they would go up on top of, a, of a, like a high hill or mountain and they would have a threshing floor up there and they would take these pitchforks and they would take the wheat, they would throw it up and the, the wind would blow the chaff and the chaff is the stuff you didn't eat, the bad stuff, would blow that away and the grain, which was heavier, would fall to the ground. And they would do this up on these high places so that the wind would carry away the bad stuff and they could be able to eat the good stuff. Well, guess what? Gideon is not on the high place. He's not up on the hill. He is cowering 
in the bottom of a wine press, which is like at the bottom of a valley. In fact, here's a picture of a wine press. They would take these grapes, and you would take them, you would smash them up, and gravity would allow the liquid to be able to kind of pool and coagulate at the bottom. And there the wine, uh, there the grape juice would come, and then, of course, they would ferment it and all that stuff. So he is at the bottom. He's not on the top where he should be. He's at the bottom of a valley, and he's there because he's hiding from the Midianites. Because if he's up on the hill, all the Midianites are going to say, Oh, look, there's some people. they got some of our grain. Let's go get it. So the angel <laughs> is crazy. He shows up, and he says this. The angel of the Lord said to Gideon, son of Joash, he's threshing at the bottom of the wine press to hide from the Midianites. So this is what the angel says. The angel of the Lord appeared to him and said this. Mighty, what? Warrior. Everybody say mighty warrior. Mighty warrior. You see, the angel looks at Gideon and says, You are a mighty warrior. Why? Look at the rest of the sentence. Because the Lord is what? With you. <laughs> Gideon, you are a mighty warrior. And Gideon's like, You talking to me? I, I, I'm a mighty warrior? Do you, do you know where I'm at right now? I, I, I'm not where I need to be. I, my knees are knocking. I'm scared. I'm at the bottom of the valley trying to keep the little that I have to myself so that my, my kids can eat tonight. I'm not a mighty warrior. I'm a big failure. That's what Gideon is thinking about himself. And, and God says, no, no, you're a mighty warrior. And let me tell you, God saw something in Gideon that Gideon did not see in himself. Now, before we go on, let me just tell you, if you're here today, this is where some of you are at today. You've lost sight of who you are. You've lost sight of what God wants to do in your life. You've forgotten how God, the God of your childhood, you've forgotten uh, your teenage years when you went to camp and you hung around the bonfire and you sang and did all, and you forgot how God how was so real to you then. You forgot how God answered your prayers. You forgot how God fixed your marriage. You forgot how God was able to kind of swoop in and pay the electric bill when you didn't have any money to pay the bill. You have forgotten who God has called you to be. And yet, God, the angel of the Lord, says, Mighty warrior, the Lord is with you. And you're like, go, time, TV timeout. God, do you know where I was at last night? Do you know who I was with last night? Do you know what we were doing last night, right? I mean, are you been paying attention to my life? Do you know how long it's been since I prayed? God, do you know how long it's been since I've read my Bible? God, do you even know how long it's been since I've been to church? Do you know how long it's been and how far away I've drifted from you? And the Lord shows up and says, no, no, no. Because I am with you, you are a mighty warrior. God saw something in Gideon that he did not see in himself. And the same is true for you, and the same is true for me. As God looks and peers into your life, God will see more inside of you than you will ever see in yourself. Because the Lord is with you, which means that he just didn't create you to be ordinary. Do you know that? He created you to be extraordinary. The Lord is with you. He didn't create, God is for you. God is wanting to do something extraordinary through you. Now, as soon as God wants to do something extraordinary through you, as soon as he calls you, let me tell you what's going to happen. 
He's going to say, I need you to do this. And you're going to go, uh, nah, I can't do that. And your insecurities will always bubble to the top. They will always rise to the top. They did with Moses. God, uh, God tells Moses, I want you to go in. I want you to lead my people out of bondage, out of, from Egypt. And, and Moses is like, I can't speak that well. I'm not that good at English. I'm from the south, right? God is looking into Gideon's life, and he's saying the execs, I want to do something extraordinary through you. And Gideon's like, me? What, what you talking about, Willis? In fact, look at what Gideon says. He responds back and says this, But Lord, Gideon replied, how can I rescue Israel? I mean, you're calling me a mighty warrior, but let's just do some fact check. How many of y'all, you've been doing some fact check this election season? Mm. So uh, Gideon's going, let's just check the facts here. Number one, my clan is the what? Weakest in the whole tribe of Manasseh. Some of you, I didn't, you didn't even know Manasseh was a tribe. Gideon's going, that's my point. Right? And I am the what? Least in my entire family. Translated, let's translate it into today's vernacular. Uh, I just went to junior college. Right? And uh, I went to junior college because, like, I didn't have the grades to get into, like, the regular college. And, like, I, I, I almost failed out of junior college. In fact, I didn't even graduate. You know? I mean, I, mean, I, I don't have any money. I'm barely middle class. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not the person who's the leader. No one's ever given me the microphone. No one's ever given me the stage. I'm not that guy, God. And look at how the Lord responded. The Lord answered, oh, then, never mind. I must be at the wrong house. By the way, that's not in the Bible. I just made that up. Some of you are like, this is kind of jacked up. Where is he going? You need to read your Bibles, Okay. See, it doesn't say that. But how many of y'all ever felt like that, that God's at the wrong house? That God's told you to do something, and you're like, <laughs> not me. I don't know if you know that you must got the wrong zip code, all right? I mean, that, I mean, you didn't notice, you know, I am just, I'm insecure, and I, I kind of wear my feelings on my sleeve, and I'm not a great speaker, and you got all of these excuses, and all the insecurities bubble at the top. But what comes next is so powerful. This next verse that we're actually going to read, I believe that if God would just open our eyes, and if we could see ourselves for the next 30 seconds as God sees us, you and I, we would be charging hell with a water pistol. Gideon, do you know that you're a warrior? Well, no, I, I don't. Well, you are. So Gideon, so here's a question. Who are you going to believe? You're going to believe what you say about you and your estimation of you? Are you going to believe the person who actually created you? Let me give you a, a truism here. Your view, you view you based upon what everybody says about you. Do you know that? You view you based on what everybody else around you told you about you. Why? Because who you listen to will determine how you view you. question is, who are you listening to? It's like the story of a, a, an eagle, a bald eagle who was up in a nest and fell out of the nest and didn't die and fell, this eagle fell into the, this pen of a bunch of turkeys getting raised for Thanksgiving. Anybody else love Jesus this Thanksgiving? Yes, Lord. I love Jesus and I love turkey. Some of you, I, I'm, not, I'm totally against turkey rights. You need to know that because they taste too good. All right. So this eagle falls into this turkey pen and all the turkeys can't fly. 
And the eagle man has these dreams and aspirations of, of flying and soaring. And all the other turkeys saying, you ain't, you just a turkey. You a funky looking turkey. And guess what? That eagle never flew. And some of you, maybe you're just hanging out with a bunch of turkeys. Some of you, you're hanging out with a bunch of jack leg people who are telling you, you just need to do it this way. You need to be ordinary. And God has called you for something more. Because that's what God calls all of us to. Why? Because God, not because I'm all that or you're all that, but because God is with us. This is what it says. God saw something in Gideon that Gideon didn't see himself, and this is what it says, the actual verse in verse 16. The Lord answered him, I will be, what's that next word? With you. And we will strike down all of the Midianites. What's the next word? Together. When God is with you, let me tell you, church, when God is with you, it's settled. When God is with you, you can take it to the bank. When God is with you, the deal is sealed. When God is with you, I'm telling you, there is nothing you can't do because with in Christ, I can do all things who strengthen me. Let me tell you. Thank you. I'm preaching my heart out. Y'all are, yes, some of y'all are sleeping. Don't make me come back there. I will. Here's our big idea today. God wants to do extraordinary things through you because why because he is with you god wants to do the extraordinary through you because he is with you god is saying i am willing to do something extraordinary through you ma'am and through you sir and through you teenager god says i'm with you the question god's going to answer and ask today is are you with him are you doing things God's way? Are you living life the way God wants you to live? Are you dating the way God wants you to date? Are you spending the money the way God wants you to spend money? Are you, are you actually building friendships the way God wants you to build friendships? Are you loving your spouse like Jesus loved his church and gave himself up for her? I'm going to be preaching this morning. See, some of you, you're like, well, you just don't understand. You know, you don't, you don't understand my situation. You don't understand my job. You don't, now let me tell you what you don't understand. You don't understand that you're with a bunch of turkeys. And God's called you to be extraordinary. So my question as we end today is, what would an extraordinary person do? I want you to ask that question for the next seven days. When you write your checkbook, when you're writing the bills... When your kid comes to you and is wanting to, hey, Dad, will you play with me in the floor? And you're on your phone and you're, you're creating a, a sweet hashtag of how you're a great parent. <laughs> Ask this question. What would an extraordinary person do? And whatever the answer to that question is, do it. Not for the rest of your life. That's too long. Right? But what if the next seven days you just decided to do that? You decided to start giving to other people because you see them the way God sees them. That you're able to start, you know, treating others the way you want them to treat you because I think I read that somewhere in the Bible. That you started doing extraordinary things. Let me tell you, what would an extraordinary person do? And if you're a Christian, what would you do if you were confident that God was with you? Because let me just be honest with you. I'm going to show you my cards. God is with you if you're a Christ follower. He says in Romans chapter 8 that he will never leave you nor forsake you. He is with you. 
What would you do today if you knew, if you were confident that God was with you and that God lives in you and that God is for you and that that's the life that you've been invited to? And let me tell you, let's just wrap all of this up. That was the destiny that God had created Israel to live. That was the destiny that Israel had been invited to. That was the destiny that Samson and Gideon had been invited to. And Samson threw it all away because he couldn't keep his eyes off of everybody else. And he just settled to be ordinary and to be like everybody else. But Gideon stepped into it. And God used him to do some extraordinary things. Let me tell you, you need to finish reading Judges 6 and Judges 7 because what happens is Gideon asks the question, you know, okay... What am I going to do? And he raises up 22,000 people in an army. That's a lot of peeps. So he's going, okay, we're going to go against Midianite. And here's the problem. The Midianites had a 250,000 people army. And he's going, it's still not enough. It's still not enough. I'm not good enough. I'm not a good enough leader. We don't have enough people. And again, his insecurities start rising to the top. And let me, God says, no, 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 you don't. It's not that you don't have enough. 22,000 is too much. Because if you win, you're going to get the glory. But if you, if you got a whole lot less, you're going to give me the glory. So you know what God does? Is he whittles down the 22,000 to 300 people. I can't make this up. 300 people. And God says, all right, there's your winners. There's your, there's your SF team. And they show up, and God tells them to do some crazy weird things. And you know what? They loved God and wanted to be extraordinary. They, they, they said, you know, we're going to follow God no matter how weird it sounds, no matter how extraordinary it sounds. And God gave them the victory with 300 against 250,000. And some of you, that's kind of your odds right now when it comes to your finances. Let's just be honest, right? Some of you here and you're like, I ain't, I, that, that's my odds right there. Well, let me tell you, what God is calling you to do It's to do something extraordinary. To have extraordinary faith in the God who loves you and the God who is with you. Some of you, that's your odds when it comes to your relationships. And, I mean, your marriage is falling apart and the odds are against you. The thing you cannot count out is what happens when God is with you. Because when God is with you, He can show up and show out and do some amazing things in your life, some extraordinary things, but you got to let him do it. And as I close, I simply want to say this. Some of you, you're here, and you're like, that sounds great, Chris, but I don't think God is with me because I don't have a relationship with him. Today, you can have that relationship. How many of y'all, you've heard of Tim Tebow? All right. Most of y'all, John three sixteen. He's always, you know, he got he has it like underneath his eyes when he played football. This and he's playing baseball, right, or something. I don't know. Um, as you can tell, I'm a sports fanatic. Anyway, it wasn't that funny. Anyway, but uh, but uh, y'all, John three sixteen. How many of y'all ever seen that in a in the end of an end zone? Maybe you've heard it. For God so loved the world. Did you know that God loves you? Now, see, ladies, guys have told you, hey, baby, I love you. But they didn't love you. They just wanted something from you. God says, no, I love you. And not only does he love you with words, he loves you with action. For God so loved the world that he gave. God loved you so much that he gave his one and only son. And, see, your son, your daughter is special. And we all think our son and our daughter are special. 
And let me tell you, God's son, Jesus, was very special because he had no sin. He was perfect. And God says, no, I'm going to give him to you so that he can die, so that you, you, me, can have a relationship. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that if, that's what he's done. Now, here's what you and I need to do. That if you believe, everybody say believe. You see, if you believe and what God tells you about you is true, that you have no hope without God, that you can't do it on your own, but he did send his son so that you can have that relationship. And if you receive Jesus, then you can have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that if you would believe in him, you would not perish, but you would receive eternal life. So if you're here today, and you're like, Chris, I I don't know if I have a relationship with Jesus. You can do that today. All you have to do is believe. He's done the hard work. All you have to do is say, God, I believe in you, and I want you in my life. Let's do that right now. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much, God, that we can come today And we can see, beyond a shadow of a doubt, how you can take ordinary things and make them extraordinary. And God, I pray for each and every one of those in here today who do not know. Maybe they're just, they're they're, they're doubting whether they have a relationship. They've been to church, yes, and some of them have even been baptized, yes, but nothing's changed in their life. The reason why nothing has changed is because you are not with them. So God, I pray. Lord, you have loved and you've given. I pray that we would believe you, that we would take you at your word, and that we would receive Jesus as our Savior. And God, I just pray that we would take you at at your word, you would come into our life, that you would be with us. And Lord, we know that when you are with us, you call us to do some extraordinary things because you are now our God our good father